Welcome to another episode of Pop Law Podcast. I am your host, Desiree. And I'm Tyrone. And, and we, we are, are not your attorneys. attorneys. So what is going on with y'all out there? First, let's get into what's going on with us. Who said that? Who said that? Who? What's up with you, Tyrone? Well, I don't know when y'all are listening to this, but on this day, the wind is whipping like cocaine or something i don't know <laughs> what is going on out there it was about like a 30 mile per hour gust of wind that came and slapped me in the face this morning oh, and literally knocked my like hat off almost my glasses so i've just been recovering that from that all day and trying to stay inside but you know it's the start to a brand new week and brand new mercies so i don't know I've, i'm in a good mood desiree what about you I am in a good mood. I did not experience the wind like that. Um, but when I left my house this morning, it was kind of cold, hair freshly done. And I'm like, dude, my scalp's kind of cold. I didn't wear no hat. <laughs> you got to put that scarf on <laughs> exactly. that hat. Pashmina, if you will. So uh, other than that, things are good. No complaints. Yeah, but let's get into this new episode. So we are going to be talking about luxury fashion brands coming under fire for their racist designs and messaging. It's only right that we also look at their treatment of black employees. And I'm sure we will talk about this throughout the episode in reference to all of the other situations. But just to refresh your memory, we just had a situation with Gucci and their blackface. And I believe Prada in their blackface. Mm -hmm. And I think there was another Burberry one. with the noose around the neck on the sweater. And uh, Montclair. Montclair. Uh, so and H&M has like a blackface resembling sweater after that whole monkey situation. So basically everyone from those brands probably needs to listen up for what could go wrong and still is going wrong in their industry today. So this case, we are talking about Latte Latte versus Moschino, USA, Inc. and Rana Selbag. In December 2018, plaintiff Shamila Latte Latte filed a damages complaint in the Superior Court of the State of California for the County of Los Angeles Central District. Some of the claims include breach of contract, violation of labor codes, discrimination on the basis of race, national origin and or color discrimination on the basis of gender, discrimination on the basis of religion, harassment under those same claims, as well as sexual harassment and defamation. So pretty much all forms all of discrimination. Forms of discrimination. <laughs> the plaintiff alleges that she was wrongly terminated, harassed, and discriminated against on the basis on her status as a black Haitian American. On June 16, 2005, the plaintiff was hired as a sales supervisor at Moschino, L.A. by defendant Selbeck, whom she previously worked with on a sales associate client basis. During the plaintiff's employment, she was often recognized as the top sales associate in the L.A. store and in the North America market. Not only that, she was frequently complimented on her work performance by clients 
and other sales associates. So, like, her peers were like, girl, you got it. Right. She also received stellar performance review feedback that stated she exceeded expectations. Okay. Above and beyond is what they're saying. As part of the plaintiff's compensation package, she was entitled to a 4% commissions of her sales, a $5,000 clothing allowance to purchase the brand's clothing, which acted as the work uniform, and 10 paid vacation days, and a company paid parking space. According to the plaintiff, she did not receive the full benefits of her compensation package. And that sounds like a pretty nice package. A nice package. Free uh, parking space. Yes. $5,000 in clothing to say in all the latest. Okay. I mean, that may get you one or two pieces, but right. still, <laughs> um, I'm sure she had a nice discount. So Absolutely. use that 5000 So defendant Shellback, the store manager, allegedly failed to honor any of the benefits owed to the plaintiffs. For instance, the plaintiff's sales were allegedly given to other associates, which caused her not to receive her due percent of total sales. Shellback also allegedly failed to approve her clothing allowances in a timely fashion, which forced her to wear out-of-season uniform. Now, and that's no, just not right. In fashion, <laughs> you can't be out-of-season because they'll clock you real exactly. quick. Exactly, particularly if you are working at the store and don't have on current season clothing. That is just not cool. Uh, Shellback allegedly refused to approve the defendant's vacation request when they conflicted with the defendant's own vacation. However, plaintiff was still charged for those days, although she was at work. This is a whole lot going on. Vacation days are important. And what? She only got 10 paid vacation days out of the year. It doesn't so. make any Honestly, this. I'm going to eat all my days. What's going on with HR <laughs> is what I'm hearing right now. Um, so Shellback also allegedly refused to give the plaintiff her promised parking space in the new nearby parking lot because she did not have an aesthetic suitable to park in the lot. So basically he was like, your car is a pos right something uh <laughs> i don't know or hopefully it wasn't appearance because she weren't giving her her money to get her clothing allowance exactly so don't be talking about her clothes now so you must be talking about her car and my thing is shellback you knew her previously because she was a sales associate somewhere else and helped you out and you liked her and you brought her to this store yeah so why are you treating her like this additionally the plaintiff claimed that she was forced to work beyond her required hours without additional compensation was injured on the job and did not receive workers compensation or have her medical bills paid by the company and her privacy was violated when shellback read her personal emails that she sent to shellback who is the store manager and she was telling the other employees about what the plaintiff's email said with her injuries, her, yeah, her injuries, her, her injuries out. This is a whole invasion of privacy. I mean, Lord, like <laughs> I don't know if HIPAA covers this or what, but this is it gets worse. So Shellback often compared her Persian background to African Americans. So when Shellback found out plaintiff was Haitian American background, she said it made sense because immigrants work harder. Shellback is just a piece of work. Mm, mm. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, it's hard to believe, but 
it's not outlandish. And this is type of stuff to me, you can't make up. A shellback will talk about her Persian family being more family oriented compared to black families. <sighs> she talked about once dating a black man. That's their favorite line to use. <laughs> um, and she inquired why the plaintiff's hair did not look more straight like hers and suggested plaintiff wearing wigs was ghetto. Not only that, but homegirl Shellback would also force the plaintiff to do her hair for her. So this seems some like some type of jealousy going on I don't, here. This or sounds right? outlandish, but also not something that is completely far fetched. Like, yeah, yeah, like like workplaces can get this bad if it's incremental. So if this stuff was happening over time, yep. she may have just been like, "Well, one more thing. Like it's not that big a deal." But like, and when you look back at it, she was like, "You know what? I can't do this anymore." And so she guess what? She she reached out. To her HR team, just like I was saying. So while the plaintiff attempted to reach out to human resources and corporate management to report the issues, Shellback blocked her access and maintained she was the only person to address her issues with. I hate that because everybody has a boss. People in like upper management try to act like they don't. And I get into it with customer service reps Mm -hmm. all the time because you are not about to be treating me any type of way. And if they try to say that I'm the manager, I'm like, well, you have a boss. Who do you report to? (laughs) Who signs your check? And if you don't give it to me, I will go on the corporate say i am really a white woman when it comes to reviews i do not be playing so i'm glad she reached out but finally to shed some more color on the alleged racist mentality of shellback let's get into some of the store policies she put in place Shellback allegedly referred to clients by race. Allegedly, she called a black celebrity stylist a zigzag in reference to marijuana papers. <sighs> she allegedly made the employees use the cold word Serena in reference to non-flashy black shoppers, and they had to be closely watched when in the store. Not only that, but if she felt the black patrons could not afford items in the store... She would take pictures, allegedly, and instruct the employees to take photos of their license plates when parked in front of the store. This woman is out of control. This is wild. I, I'm, but the funny thing is, I am not like it's not far fetched, no. but it's just really crazy. Finally, after making Shellback aware of the inappropriate behavior of a store security guard. And those concerns going unaddressed, the plaintiff finally sent a letter to corporate addressing all the things that have transpired in the store, which we previously discussed. And to shed some more color on the store security guard, I guess he was making sexual advances and, you know, having talking about sexually explicit language in the store that made the women uncomfortable and Apparently, he also had an anger issue and would yell at them Jeez. when uh, Shellback wasn't around. I, okay, so this sounds like a store out of control. Out of control. So, you know, the plaintiff, she reached out to corporate on several other occasions to follow up on her experiences at the store and with Shellback, and they just didn't respond. However, Shellback was aware of the plaintiff's contact with corporate and began to act in a retaliatory manner towards her. And some of the retaliatory behavior included the plaintiff being demoted, her hours being cut, 
and not made aware of pertinent information to the job. So this literally sounds like classic workplace discrimination slash retaliation. Right. This, I can imagine, was a hostile work environment. You're turning people on me. You're not giving me important information of what's going on in the store. And I believe I read one thing when uh, the security guard ended up getting fired Mm -hmm. and Shellback mentioned something to the plaintiff in regards that she was disappointed in her because she's a woman and shouldn't behave in that manner as in feeling uncomfortable and having a shaky voice Mm. speaking when speaking about how she wasn't comfortable around the security guard. That is just crazy. Oh my gosh. So eventually the plaintiff was fired by Shellback due to a sequence of events, quote unquote, unquote. (laughs) and instructed to quote, call corporate like she had been doing unquote. So, I mean, if these things can be corroborated, this is pretty damning. Right. After being terminated, Shellback allegedly defamed the plaintiff to former colleagues and told them that she stole her client book and was a thief. So, you know, I'm pretty sure with all of this going on and over the course of a month, homegirl, I hope, has receipts. And I'm if you bring in 17 charges, I'm pretty sure she does. And it looks like her former colleagues are backing her up in some regards. Yes. So based on the total 17 actions that the plaintiff brought against the defendants, she is seeking general and special damages, not limited to commissions, plus interest, damages for emotional distress and pain and suffering, exemplary damages or punitive allowed by law, restitution and disgorgement, prejudgment and post-judgment interest on all damages awarded, reasonable attorney's fees, costs for the suit incurred, and other such relief that the court may deem just and proper. So, I mean, I don't know if she went through, like, the regular EEOC process. Sounds like she jumped way past that. But it, if you want to know what I was just referencing for EEOC, we did talk about this in episode six way mm-hmm. back when called Be Humble Mind Your Business. And we talked about um, the discrimination over down at Fox and Friends. Right. And um, a couple of other companies during that episode. But that usually is a process you go through prior to, to getting to lawsuit. the lawsuit yeah. where they can help you out getting your you know packet and suit together. But I again, if this stuff is true slash can be proven with the evidence, I think it's a pretty good case. Absolutely. And I think she deserves every coin that she is asking for and more. And while and, you know, this is like we said, you can't make this up. It seems outlandish, but it's not far fetched. I had a friend who worked at Gucci in L.A. and she would go home crying every day based on how her supervisor would treat her if you hired me and i looked a certain way Mm -hmm. why are you acting like i didn't look like this before you hired me and so trying they were trying to make her change her appearance uh and you know just made her feel really bad about herself she ended up quitting um and so you can't hire employees who come as they are and then want them to change when they don't fit what you think is presentable and and that's just crazy I'm also reminded of T.I. He posted a um, screenshot of one of the last text messages, his sister, Precious, who passed away, R.I.P., and they were talking about the whole Gucci situation. Yes. And so in the text message, she was saying that, 
you know, the discrimination against black people is not just in the designs. She referenced, you know, her experience working at a high end store and how you know, they Gucci in particular created a separate division of clothing or what I'm gonna call urban streetwear yeah. because the rappers and all them wear it. So she said that they created a division of Gucci for them to wear. And she was like, if you go to the Gucci store in New York, you're not gonna see that same stuff. Yeah. And she's right because you don't the stuff that you might see at the mall in atlanta you are not going to see at the gucci store on fifth avenue in new york yes but you made such a great point desiree this emphasizes the point of not just being mindful about where we spend like our money on luxury goods but like also supporting those in our communities who may not have that status yet Absolutely. who are one day they may be known as you know one of the great american desires and get the cdfa awards if i said that right but you know that doesn't mean we can't be supporting them now so let's get into some of our favorite um black brands so i'm gonna start with a life well dress company that is all wall co for short and yes. the creators will actually be appearing on our show it's a husband and wife team and they create really nice merch and then next up we have laquan smith desiree tell us a little bit more about laquan smith what type of clothes do they make i guess you can say kind of high mid and he's a a lot of celebrities wear his clothing uh i know he had a really well, let me name some of the celebrities who have been in his stuff. Rihanna has been in his stuff. Cardi B has been in his stuff. And even one of my friends, Angela Flournoy, a writer, author, extraordinaire, she has worn his clothing. And so he's really high and up and coming. And it's not expensive. You, some of the uh, Jenners have actually worn his clothing as well. Oh, wow. But HGC Apparel, I like their clothing, Urban Streetwear, and History, H-S-T-R-Y, that is actually Nas's brand. Oh, okay. And so his clothing is very, um, you know, it's considered Urban Streetwear, t-shirts, jackets, hoodies, but it references back to major black history. So he has a collection right now. It's uh, History Times Nelson Mandela. So wow, okay. the clothing has his images and saying on it. And so it's really good and pretty affordable too. And then also just shout out to Michael Knight who passed away a couple yes. years ago. Um, he was a black designer from Atlanta who had made it pretty far on Project One Bay, I believe. I don't think he won his season. No. But I think he made it pretty far. But he like made a legit career for himself post being on that show. And he yeah. passed away, unfortunately, about two years ago. So yeah, and then also, you know, we have our Pharrell like billionaires boys club. But yeah. like that's not And then that's... I don't know if Aku <laughs> is still around and I don't think you well Rocco Hare and Sean <laughs> John and all that right. Fubu <laughs> Gotta Carl Kanai, he's coming back. Uh, got a pair so. of FUBU sneakers in my closet. This is The Breakdown. Down. Today's topic, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, or EEOC. The EEOC is commissioned from Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. It is responsible for enforcing federal laws that make it illegal to discriminate against a job applicant or an employee because of a person's race, color, religion, national origin, 
age, 40 or older, disability or genetic information. Sex discrimination, including pregnancy, gender identity and sexual orientation is also covered. Most employers with at least 15 employees are covered by EEOC laws, 20 employees in age discrimination cases. Additionally, most labor unions and employment agencies are also covered. The laws apply to all types of work situations, including hiring, firing, promotion, harassment, training, wages, and benefits. If the EEOC is not successful in their investigation of discrimination or settlement offers, they have the authority to file a lawsuit to protect their rights of individuals and the interests of the public. The EEOC does not, however, file lawsuits in all cases where they find discrimination. Additionally, those alleging discrimination under Title VII may sue after the time the EEOC dismisses their charge, usually after completion of an investigation, and receive a notice of right to sue. The EEOC covers Title VII claims, but states and cities also have their own discrimination laws and regulations. The responsibility usually falls on the accusers to prove the discrimination, so evidence and documentation of the alleged discriminatory behavior over a period of time is crucial. For more information on employment discrimination, be sure to check out the EEOC's website and your local government website. And that was The Breakdown. We have one quick update on Jussie Smollett's case. This is getting so interesting. Uh, you know, Chicago PD has been going social media crazy, putting out all these, you know, claims or evidence yes. to discredit him. Very premature. And while we do not know whether he's telling the truth or not, a, a part, a large portion of me believes him, but Jussie is pulling out the receipts. So if y'all remember, Chicago PD had stated that he paid the brothers by check to uh orchestrate this attack that was their payment well mm -hmm. jesse posted receipts of the check and it was for thirty five hundred dollars and the memo in the check said for training and nutrition because if you saw the pictures of them they are very fit yes um he posted text messages that span it over the course of days and weeks about his nutrition and diet and it was also re referencing his new song and video which he was about to shoot to get his body right uh, mm. for that video and why they were paid so well, well, well Chicago PD talked about the check but they didn't say what it was for so it makes it hard to believe like they, what they're doing yes but we also want to talk about some other things that have been happening. So let's get into a very short and quick pop culture roundup. The, the Oscars. The Oscars. Um, did you watch them? No, I did not. <laughs> I and did I'm, not I'm okay with that decision. Yes. But I'm also okay with the fact that our people came through. Yes. Um, so many Malak people won Oscars. Yes. I can't remember quite all of them, but... Obviously, Regina King, Best Supporting Actress, Mahershala Ali, Best Supporting Actor. We have Black Panther pick up two for Best Production Design. And yes, also, that was Hannah Bleacher, uh, Beecher. Yes. She is the one who won that. Then for Best Costume Design. Ruth 
Hampton grad, you know, got to shout out my alma mater. She won for those costume designs. And obviously Spike Lee oh, run yes. for, um, he won for Best Adapted Screenplay, I believe. His first Oscar. His first and um, not it should not have been his first. It should have been one of many for him. But um, wait, who else was there? I love Sam Jackson when he was reading who won. He was like the house. So HBCU people, you know, the house is Morehouse. So that's when Spike knew he won. And him just jumping on Sam yeah. Hale like that. It was a great moment in black history. Oh, and then um, for best animated film, feature film, Spider-Verse. Um, Spider-Man Spider-Verse directed by a black man. First black man to ever win that award. Is that the one with the black Spider-Man? Yes. I haven't seen it. Um, I heard it's. I heard it was good. I heard people were like, "That should have been nominated for best movie." Seriously? Yes, they were like, "That was the best movie I saw last year." Okay, I need to watch that. So the director was black, Spider Man was black, and they won. Yeah, they won best animated feature. Awesome. Over like Incredibles two, like it was a very like strong category. So basically all around and i um, heard what uh green book won best picture i haven't seen that movie i know the controversy around it we have a friend who she bets on the oscars <laughs> and who's winning and put her bids in so she said you know she won in her friend group with her pool but yeah. at work she didn't win so she was pretty upset <laughs> she she thinks she has it down to a science that happened and it was a nice end <laughs> to um Black History Month to you know go out on a high if you will because it I told you has been rocky well I'm excited and I'm glad we're closing this month out with a bang oh another Black History moment we'll talk since we're talking about the Carter family uh, well really the Knowles family but Title they launched a one million dollar program initiative for emerging artists so they are backing up all those people who are trying to get into music so go to their website and see how you can be a part of Black History and down with Title so I think that's a great initiative. And if you want to support some emerging Black creatives, go ahead to our website. www.poplawpodcast.com. Also, you know, social. We out there at Pop Law Podcast. You know the drill. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Spotify iHeartRadio, uh, Google Play. We said that one. Yeah. Who else? Uh, t- Stitcher, yes. tune in, you know, where all the girls Everywhere. be at. <laughs> so, yes, like, share, subscribe. We keep on telling y'all we trying to get these ad dollars. We are attorneys, and these student loans are not going to pay themselves. Yes, and then also, you know, we had just launched our newsletter. So, go ahead and sign up for that because, I mean, what do we have in there, Desiree? We have jobs we're spotlighting we're having events that are happening across cases, the country cases we haven't really talked about we yes. have stuff in there about that just it is jam-packed with information that you don't necessarily get on the show and it's going to be right in your inbox so you can go straight back to it Absolutely. and it's pretty because we made it so <laughs> and the blog is coming soon yes but tune in to us and support your black businesses <laughs> and on that note please remember that we, we are, are not, not your attorneys, attorneys.